Welcome to The Trail Less Traveled, sponsored by Big Sky Bikes, The Trailhead, Skin Chic, The Bitterit Brewing Company, Parkside Credit Union, and the Clark Fork Coalition. Missoula is a mecca for outdoor enthusiasts, and each week we will bring you tales of outdoor adventure both near and far, as well as adventure information and inspiration, and a few tunes to set the mood. You can read more about this week's show online at trail1033.com. And now here's your host, Grand Canyon Whitewater Guide, Yoga Instructor, and Master of the Didgeridoo, Mandela. Today, the trail less traveled leads to the Franz Josef Glacier, which is on New Zealand's South Island's west coast. It's about a four or five minute helicopter flight to get up to the glacier. And the glacier is in a period of recession right now. We're going to learn more about that later from my guest this evening. And his name is Ollie Clark. And Ollie Clark is originally from southwest UK, but he's been working as a glacier guide here in New Zealand for the past three years. Ollie studied geography in university with a focus on glaciology. Now, Ollie, you guide for Franz Joseph Glacier Guides. Thank you so much again for the experience that we've had going up to the glacier and exploring around. Yeah, that's all good. Glad you could come and join us. My first question for you, Ollie. Where did you grow up and how was adventure a part of your childhood? Yeah, so I grew up southwest of the UK in uh, a county called Wiltshire and a tiny little village called Market Lavington, which is just under Salisbury Plain. And so Salisbury Plain is a real active sort of army training ground. And ever since I was young, we'd always be out on hikes and did a lot of mountain biking in, in that area. So yeah, I suppose from being real young, it was always outside playing around up on the hill or something like that. Never really indoors as long as my parents let us out. Yeah, and there was also a lot of camping, always holidaying in or taking time out to go to the Lake District, the Peak Districts, Wales, across the ocean as well, to France. And I suppose one of the earliest ones I remember is me and my brother went off camping with my dad. And I'm sure now when I look at that, we only walked just around the corner from our caravan. But for me and my brother, it was a big, big adventure just three of us in one tiny little tent I think I can't remember we must have been four or five and really really started to enjoy it from there and that's that's kind of how it started. Ollie I'd like you to share an experience with us where you had an experience and you learned a lesson from that experience. Well I was going to go to university and didn't get in the first time I I tried and didn't want to go to a university that just let me in because I had the grades or a university that wasn't the one that I 100% wanted to go to so I ended up not going the first year and that's when all of my mates were going and all that kind of thing but instead of going to uni I ended up going traveling and I went to Nepal in India which my dad had been to a couple of years before and he had only spent two weeks and he said it was one of the best places that he had ever been so decided to go to Nepal in India as 18 done a lot of traveling with my family before but never on my own and yeah, it was the best thing I've ever done. Learned so many different things. I couldn't pinpoint one thing, but I, one of the things I did learn was that things happen for a reason. And I didn't get in that first year. I didn't go to a university I didn't want to. So I therefore went and enjoyed myself in Nepal, India, 
met loads of people and from then it made me realize that things might not always go to plan but there's a reason to that so from that going traveling and going to Nepal and particularly visiting the Himalayas although I knew I wanted to study geography at that point I didn't know how interested I was in glaciers until I went to Nepal went to the Everest region the Annapurna region saw all of these huge glaciers and then that's where my focus from not just the broad subject that is geography it kind of focused down into glaciology and, and mountains and that kind of thing so you're listening to The Trail Less Traveled, and today the trail leads to the Franz Joseph Glacier on New Zealand's South Island's west coast. And I'm interviewing glacier guide Ollie Clark. Ollie, you study geography with a focus on glaciology. What is glaciology? So glaciology is just the study of glaciers, and I suppose the easiest way to understand that is to understand what a glacier is. So a glacier is a continued body of ice that's there from season to season and it's got some kind of velocity or some kind of flow to it, some kind of movement. So the Franz Joseph Glacier, it hangs out in the Franz Joseph Valley, or the Waiho Valley. It's there all year round, it doesn't disappear, and it's got movement throughout the whole surface of it. So on the tongue of the glacier, where we walk around, it moves about one, one and a half metres a day. Up in the icefall, it can move a, a little bit faster, sort of three to five metres and then way out the back it's still got some kind of flow to it but it slows down a little bit because it's in it's in more of a bowl why is there a glacier here and not in other places so the main reason that we have this glacier here is because it's a the lowest point in the surrounding mountains so that's where the ice is going to flow out but also we get most of our weather coming in from the Tasman Ocean. So we have warm, moist air coming across from Australia. Because it's warm, it picks up a lot of moisture off the Tasman Ocean. And it reaches the west coast here, where it's got a big old barrier, or the Southern Alps, where it goes from zero or sea level up to 3,000 meters plus in about 25 kilometers. So all of this warm, moist air is pushed up real, real fast. As it pushes up, it cools, condenses, and then precipitates, falls as rain, and higher up it will fall as snow. That snow compresses down under its own body weight, it becomes glacial ice, and that's when it starts to flow down the valley there. Ollie, how much rain do you guys get here on the west coast? I work as a sea kayak guide down in Milford Sound, and last year we got 9.7 meters of rain. There's a pub across the street that says when it rains, we pour, so obviously it must rain a lot here on the west coast. For those who aren't familiar with the amount of rain, could you just talk to us a little bit about that and perhaps how it affects you guys as glacier guides here? Yep, when it rains, we pour, and there's definitely a lot of drinks that flow in Franz Joseph here. Out on the coast, we get oh, one to two meters of rain, in the township, anywhere between three and five metres, and up in the valley, sort of five to seven metres of rain. Obviously, as you go higher up, that rain then falls as snow. Higher up, or you can get 30 to 40 metres of snow throughout the year up in the neve there. In terms of us as glacier guides, during the springtime, we have a lot of downtime because obviously when it's raining, there's quite often cloud that comes with that. So in the clouds, we can't fly the helicopters. But when the rain stops, everyone's psyched to go to work everyone's psyched to get up the valley and it's the same for a lot of the industries around here it's all based around the glacier the ones that aren't too held back by rain are the quad bikes and kayaking and that kind of thing but for us yeah we spend maybe 40 percent of the time stuck on the ground because of rain 
Over the last month, we've had a real good run, actually. Yeah. So we've been seeing that the seasons are hitting us later and later. So we're coming out of summer, really, but for us, it's still summer conditions because summer didn't hit us till much later. This seems to be a pretty good segue to talk about climate change. So I'm sure as a guide, that's a question you get a lot from your clients. So let's just talk about climate change and how it affects the glacier. Yeah, so it's quite important to note that glaciers have been on a general trend of retreat for the last 20,000 years since the last ice age. Franz Joseph here works on about a six to an eight year cycle. Yeah, the Franz Joseph works on about a six to an eight year cycle of advance and then retreat, advance and retreat. And that happens regardless of climate change or, or global warming, whatever you'd like to call it. But what we are seeing or what we think we're seeing is climate change or global warming enhancing that retreat. So the glaciers have always advanced in retreat, but they've never done it at the rate that they have or the Franz Joseph hasn't retreated at the rate that it is at the moment. So it's definitely enhancing it. It might not be the causation or causing the, the glacier to retreat, but it's an enhancing factor for sure. There's a, a guy around here called Brian Anderson. He's a glaciologist and he does a lot of work on all of the glaciers on the Southern Alps here. He measures not only glacial wet, so velocities, advances, retreats, that kind of thing. He also looks at how the climate affects it. So he's a real good guy to go and talk to or, or look at some of his papers that he's written. It's real interesting to watch some of the time lapses that he puts together and that other people have managed to put together. So up in the valley, there's a camera that takes a photo roughly every 15 minutes and not too long ago, I can't remember the dates exactly, but there's a time lapse of the Franz Joseph that covers a, I think it's a 23 month period. And you can see not only the flow rate or the movement of the glacier, but you can see how fast it retreats back and how fast it ablates. So when we talk about ablation, we're talking about down wasting of the ice. So not only moving backwards or retreating, but also getting lower into the valley. Today the trail has travelled is being recorded on the Franz Joseph Glacier on New Zealand's South Island's west coast. And a little while ago there was a massive, it sounded like an explosion, people started to freak out and uh, I thought it was one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. It was almost like an avalanche on the ice. You mentioned it was pretty normal for ice to continue to break off and you were telling people that they're safe here, they're not going to be covered in ice. But can you tell us a little bit about what we might have seen? Yeah, so we just saw an ice fall. That happens quite often, not only around the perimeters of the glacier or the main ice fall there, but also in the middle of it. So we have these big seracs. A serac is basically just a big pillar of ice and they can quite often collapse. The one that we just saw was around what's called the black hole. So the black hole is basically bare bedrock in the middle of the ice fall. It opened up in around 2003 because since then the ice hasn't been thick enough to be able to sustain itself over the top there. And around the outsides, the ice is obviously a lot weaker and we get these big, big chunks falling off. They make lots and lots of noise. They're real nice to see. And it's also quite a positive sign for the glacier because it means that the glacier is still moving forwards. It has got a flow rate, it's got velocity to it. One of the worst things you can have with a glacier is what's called a stagnant glacier. So one that's not moving, it's only down wasting. And unfortunately, that's what we're seeing a lot of in the Himalayas, in the Nepalese region, in the Everest region there. A lot of those glaciers are down wasting and they haven't got much flow to them. Ollie, can you tell us a little bit more about the glaciers in the Himalaya um, and maybe compare and contrast them to this glacier here, Franz Joseph? 
Yeah, so I suppose the main difference about the glaciers in the Himalayas than in New Zealand here are the altitude that they lie at. So the glaciers in the Himalayas, they obviously come down from anywhere 8,000 metres around there and they flow down to probably around about 5,000 metres, 4,500 metres. Some of them get a little bit lower. Whereas in New Zealand here, our mountains aren't that high and they flow from around sort of 3,000, 3,500 metres all the way down to about 600 metres above sea level. So although there are plenty of glaciers in the world that flow down to sea level, this one is a little bit different in that the latitude that we lie on here is the same kind of latitude as southern France. In southern France you don't have any glaciers this low. The reason they do come this low is, as I was explaining earlier, about the weather patterns that we have here. You are on the trail less traveled, and today the trail less traveled is being recorded on the Franz Joseph Glacier on New Zealand's South Island's west coast. My guest this evening is Ollie Clark, who is originally from southwestern UK, but for the past three years he's worked as a glacier guide here in New Zealand. Ollie studied geography with a focus on glaciology. Ollie, now it's time for a song, so I'd like for you to share a song with us that reminds you of your early childhood adventures. The song that reminds me of my childhood adventures is one that my dad first showed me it was one of the albums on his cd collection so his record collection is huge but his cd collection is quite limited because he only goes out and buys the ones that he really loves me and my brother always used to rob his cd collection my brother is actually in the music industry and it's a band called t-rex and the song is called i love to boogie it's so great and every time i listen to it it just makes you happy, makes you want to get out there and do stuff and it reminds me of having a real good time when I was younger. This podcast is brought to you by Karuna Clothing. Karuna Clothing is handcrafted from natural fabrics which soften as they age. Currently with design workshops in Missoula, Montana and Mendocino County, California. All of their clothing is sewn and dyed in the United States. Karuna clothing is sewn with love and laughter and designed simply with the use of the best fabrics. They create their own unique colors, creating small batch product lines, which are simply beautiful. Karuna clothing is the first thing I toss into my suitcase when recording on location for the trail less traveled. You can find out more by visiting karunaclothing.com. That's K-A-R-U-N-A clothing.com. It's the Trail Less Traveled with Mandela. Today, the Trail Less Traveled is being recorded on the Franz Joseph Glacier on New Zealand's South Island's west coast. It's about a four or five minute helicopter flight to get up to the glacier and I'm interviewing a glacier guide with Franz Joseph Glacier Guides and his name is Ollie Clark. He grew up in southwestern UK and he's been guiding here for the past three years. Ollie studied geography with a focus on glaciology in university. Ollie, you were just speaking about the glacier and you used a couple of different words like flow. The glacier moves like a river and there's eddies and other similarities to rivers and many people listening might not realize that can you compare and contrast this glacier 
to a river? Yeah, sure. So where we are, you can see the main icefall, which is a big wall of ice. And I suppose that's much like a waterfall on a river. And where we're walking around is a little bit less turbulent than that main icefall. So it's more like the pool at the bottom there. So as the ice flows off the main icefall, it comes down into this much flatter area. So although we're still being able to walk through cracks and through caves and things like that, it is a lot more chilled out than the turbulent rough area that we've just seen the icefall come down from. And if we carried on walking out the end of the valley, what we'd see is another smaller icefall. And then again, it starts to mellow out as it gets into the bottom of the valley there. So a glacier is quite often a good mirror image of what's going on underneath on the valley floor, the topography of the valley below. Now, Ollie, a lot of the landscape on New Zealand's west coast and fjordland in particular has been shaped by glaciers. Now, for those listening who aren't here with us on the glacier, can you tell us about what you see and What kind of environment does the glacier leave behind after it passes through an area? Yeah, so one of the classic things you'll see after a glacier has retreated is a U-shaped valley. So you might be familiar with a V-shaped valley. That's most often formed by a river because as the river flows down, it erodes the valley floor and it cuts in and creates a V-shape. Now, a glacier does exactly the same, but has a lot more power and leaves this U-shaped valley. So it's basically because a glacier will fill the whole valley up and as it comes down, it bulldozes everything out of the way. It drags itself down the sides of the valley and erodes everything equally. So when it retreats, everything is quite symmetrical afterwards. You also get little blips where there's harder and softer bedrock. They will erode faster or slower, depending on what type of rock it is. But mostly we'll see this U-shape after a valley's retreated. Quite often on the west coast here, you'll see what's called a braided river channel. Now, as the glacier retreats, the valley walls tend to fall in quite a bit because they're not being supported anymore. And the river brings down a lot of moraine and it brings down a lot of this sediment. And the angle of the valley floor after that is quite flat. So the river likes to migrate itself across to one side of the valley floor and then there might be a big flood and and the river will change course and go across to the other side. So if you look at it from above, you'll see a really nice braided pattern of old river channels, new river channels. Some of them won't have water in, some of them will have water in. So yeah, that's quite often what you'll see in this area in particular. So Ollie, we're here at the LZ on the glacier and I'd love for you to tell the listeners what you see. Yeah, so standing on the landing zone or the helipad if you look out to the west you can see the Tasman Ocean you can see this nice u-shaped valley you've got the Fritz range to the left hand side the bed range to the right and if you look up high you can see that there's just fresh snow up on the tips of the peaks there and if you look up towards the main icefall which is an easterly direction you'll see all of this broken up ice big seracs big cracks and also really really nice blue ice so this blue ice is where fresh fresh ice has fallen and if you look over to the right hand side there you can see a really really big nice waterfall as we were moving along with your ice axe you were removing big chunks of rock look like sharp schist from the ice and I was a little bit surprised to know that that rock hadn't been in there for 20,000 years, that it was only maybe in there for 90 years. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, so as the glacier retreats and 
with the nature of the rock that's around here, as you said, a lot of it is schist. It's, it's quite an unstable rock. So for that reason, we get a lot of rock fall. Uh, when that rock does fall, it quite often falls onto the edges of the glacier. And if you imagine that just like earlier, we were comparing the glacier to a river, the fastest flow generally for a glacier is in the middle there. So if the rock falls on the outside of the glacier, the faster flow is on the inside, which means that the rock will be sucked into the middle of the glacier, which is where we're walking around. Also falls off the black hole that you can see in the middle there and embeds itself into the ice. And these cracks open up and the rocks fall into them. Let's talk a little bit about the vocabulary of glaciology. The glacier guides have been using the word neve. So the neve is the top section of the glacier. If you imagine the glacier looks a little bit like a frying pan. So the neve is the actual pan area and the tongue of the glacier, which is where we're walking around, is the handle. So the neve of the Franz Josef is around about 32 kilometers square. And that's about the size of an international airport. And that area is generally covered in snow for most of the year and it's anywhere between 100, 120, 130 meters thick. Now in the helicopter flight to get up here, there was some pretty amazing white water coming off the glacier and the water is a peculiar color in the river. Can you tell us about the color of the water coming out of the glacier? Yes, yeah, so the color of the water is, is a smoky gray kind of color. So the word waiho means smoky water and that smoky colour is caused by something called rock flower. And all rock flower is, is ground up rocks from the valley wall. And the main thing that, that grinds those rocks up is, is the glacier as it comes down the valley. The first time we see the Waiho River is actually just to the right hand side of the black hole up here in the main icefall. And even then it's still got this smoky grey kind of colour. And it flows back underneath us, probably down through a canyon and then out the terminal face and all the way out to the Tasman Ocean. Now all the way out you'll see that it's still got this real real smoky grey colour and it's because that sediment is so fine that it hangs in suspension the whole way out and you'll see that quite a lot on the west coast. Any river that is that smoky grey colour probably originates from a glacier up high somewhere. The trail less traveled today leads to the Franz Josef Glacier on New Zealand's South Island's west coast and I'm interviewing Ollie Clark, who is a glacier guide with Franz Joseph Glacier Guides. Now, Ollie, let's talk about the trip today. We're up here on the glacier now, but can you just tell us about how you get your guests ready to go on the glacier? What kind of equipment you give them? What kind of equipment you carry? And then where the day starts? It was a little bit surprising that we actually got to go on a bushwalk before we got into the helicopter. The trip itself is around about three hours long, but it equates to more like four hours if you include everything that we need to get ready. So the clients will come in and we'll sign them all in. So that means you have to fill out a medical form just to let us know if there's anything that might be an issue. It doesn't necessarily mean you can't go for a walk with us. We just want to make sure we've got all the bases covered. And then one of our guides will meet you and take you into the boot room. Now, the boot room is where we give you all the gear that you need to go up there. So this is essentially a pair of waterproof trousers a waterproof jacket, uh, hats, gloves, a nice pair of sturdy boots and a pair of crampons. Now these crampons are the most important part, it's what helps you stick to the glacier. A crampon is basically a pair of spikes that you attach to your boots there. They give you traction, give you some grip on the ice when you're walking around 
and that's real important particularly on a cold day like today because the ice is super super hard and quite tough to walk around on. Once we've done that we'll make sure you've got a pair of sunglasses, put some sun cream on even if it's a cloudy day and then yeah you're right we go for a little bush walk about five minutes down to the helipads which means that we get to walk through some native New Zealand bush or west coast bush. You can see it's pretty dense when we walk through. Um, we spent about a month cutting the track to get down there. When you're walking through the track, if you look to your left, to your right, it's very, very thick. And that's one of the features of the west coast here. Once we're down at the helipads, we'll jump on the helicopter and it's about a five minute flight into the valley and we'll be cruising at around 2,500 feet in the helicopter. And when you look out of the heli, you'll be able to see the braided river channel down to your left-hand side, the real thick bush that is inherent with the west coast here. And that thick bush, as you climb in elevation, it will become subalpine, so much lower kind of grasses, almost like a tundra, and then alpine. So you'll be able to see the main spine of the Southern Alps out the back, so that's now covered in snow but there's still quite a bit of rock around because it's coming to the end of the summer and the helicopter will start to dip down will go down to around 700 meters past defiance ridge and land on a flatter area in the in the middle of the glacier <laughs> if you like it <laughs> so once we've landed on the ice your guide will get out first open the doors for you and help you out of the helicopter this is probably the most important part or one of the hardest parts of the trip definitely the most dangerous part using helicopters it's real important that you don't hold on to the door they're real easy to break and keep nice and low keep hold of anything that might blow away so hats scarves that kind of thing make sure you've got your jacket on and we'll quite often crouch down as the heli lifts off because it creates what's called downwash which is quite a bit of wind and if you're not used to it it can definitely blow you over the heli will lift off and as it heads out from the valley you get a moment of silence that that for the first time is, is, is real weird to hear because that heli will just completely disappear and it's you, 10 other people and your guide and that's it. That's the only people you can see. So it's a pretty cool experience to have that every day. All right, and then from there you took us on a little training loop and just wanted to make sure that everybody stayed safe. The majority of people that we get up there will not have walked on a glacier, let alone walked in crampons. So it's real important that in the first 10-15 minutes the guide trains everyone in how to walk in their crampons properly and how to use the walking pole properly. So the key points to that are making sure your feet are a little bit wider apart so you can't catch your crampons on the inside. Making sure you pick your feet up a little bit and stamp your feet in because if you're scraping your feet around, it's real easy to catch a spike and just fall over. It's also important to stamp your feet in because if you're tiptoeing around, you can end up going for an ice skate. So if you stamp your feet in, you'll get better traction. And the final thing is, particularly if you've had any knee problems or knee surgeries or anything like that, always keep your feet facing forwards because as soon as you turn sideways, that's the way that your knees and your ankles don't really like to go. So always keep your feet facing forwards. The little loop that we go on to start with is probably some of the hardest terrain that we go through and it's a real good training ground. It gives everyone a little bit of confidence. So we've got some uphill steps some downhill steps, a couple of hand lines to use and it means that anything that we go through a little bit later on won't be anywhere near as hard as that. It also gives the guide a chance to 
assess each person in the group and see who will need a little bit more help than others, which is really important because we don't want to stop people coming up there because they're not used to walking off-road or anything like that. So we really want to give everyone the best chance they have for making it around the glacier. There was a section that we walked through that uh, actually not really walking through, we squeezed through. Goldfish. Yeah, the goldfish. Tell us about goldfish. Yeah, so goldfish is our last feature on the track. Well, it is the biggest feature that we have on the track and it's called a transverse crevasse. So a crevasse is a big crack in the ice and a transverse crevasse is one that runs across the ice. So from valley wall to valley wall. And this one is around 25 meters deep where we walk through. It's full up on the bottom, so it's got lots of crushed up ice in there. And at the smallest point, it's probably around 50, 60 centimeters. So it does involve some kind of sliding and squeezing through it. And you head down from the surface, head down around 20, 25 meters deep, and you have this real nice hard blue ice on either side of you. And you walk all the way from the center or the middle of the glacier back to the helipads. The trail less traveled is on Franz Joseph Glacier on New Zealand's South Island's west coast. And we're speaking with one of the Franz Joseph Glacier guides, Ollie Clark, who studies glaciology. When we come back, we are going to learn about how his company might be adapting to global warming and what you guys plan to do when that glacier is no longer there. But now it's time for a song, Ollie. So is there a song that reminds you of your time here on Franz Joseph Glacier? Yeah, there's one song that, well, not one, there's a few songs, but this one sticks in my head. It's called This Girl by the Kungs versus Cooking with Three Burners. And it's a great song because it's always on in the bar and me and one of my besties, Sarah Jacobs, always dance to it in the bar. And we've been listening to it for most of the time that I've been here. Back to Mandela and the Trail Less Traveled. Today, the Trail Less Traveled is being recorded on Franz Joseph Glacier, which is on New Zealand's South Island's west coast. And we're walking around here wearing crampons, surrounded by blue ice and Tim Burton-esque spirals in the glacier. Those spirals, the beautiful formations that you see on the glacier when you look at it, what are those called? These are called moulins, which are basically drainage holes. It's like the glacier's plumbing network. And if you cut the glacier, or made a cross-section of the glacier, it might look a little bit like a Swiss cheese. You've got lots of different holes going through there, lots of channels, plumbing network, that kind of thing. And all that water could be rainwater, could be surface melt. It makes its way down to the, the bottom of the glacier and into the Waiho River and, and flows out the end there. That's the voice of Ollie Clark, who is my guest and glacier guide here on Franz Joseph Glacier. Ollie studied glaciology at university, and Ollie, I was wondering, you talked about if you were to slice open the glacier, it would look like Swiss cheese. What can we learn by taking samples of the ice and studying it? Yeah, so not so much on the Franz Joseph Glacier here, but down in... Antarctica in places like that they take big big core samples so you might have heard of ones like the Vostok core and things like that so they take these ice samples out and in those 
ice cores, it's basically a data logger for past climates and you work it out in a variety of different ways by looking at oxygen isotopes, the ratio of gases in there and that kind of thing and from that you can build up a picture of what the climate was like X amount of years ago. Now Ollie, you're a guide for Franz Joseph Glacier Guides and you're wearing some of your uniform right now, a bright red jacket and you have a little vest on. I'm curious about the gear that you're wearing and the gear that you take with you every time you guide on Franz Joseph Glacier. Main gear that we have in our backpacks are something called an edge kit. So that includes a couple of ice screws, some carabiners, a rope and a sling. So this can be used for uh, emergency hand lines, personal safety, anything like that. Guides will also wear gaiters on their legs. This protects them from ice and also their cutting axe. A lot of guides will wear steel toe cap boots for the same reason. And we'll also carry a first aid kit with us each as well. Now, strategically placed around the glacier, there's also blue safety barrels. You might have seen those around and about the place. They've got advanced rope kits in, bothy bags, which are emergency shelters, and if you're lucky, a little bit of chocolate as well. Why chocolate? It's fabulous. I love chocolate, but I'm wondering, in a lot of adventure guiding, we guides carry chocolate. Why do you think chocolate is a must? I don't think there's one time where someone's cracked out a bar of chocolate that hasn't made everyone else smile. So we have 13 bars of chocolate, one for each group, and then two for the guides. <laughs> nice. Now, Ollie, you're a guide for Franz Joseph Glacier Guides. Now, we spoke about Franz Joseph Glacier and... This is a beautiful environment looking out from the glacier. We can see the Tasman Sea. And I'm just wondering about this area. You are obviously also an explorer. So on days off, what do you like to get up to? Yeah, so the West Coast here has heaps of activities going on. Anything from hunting and fishing uh, in the rivers, but also out on the coast, up to mountaineering, mountain biking, walking, hikes, photography, all that kind of thing goes on around here. On my days off, when, when we get one, the main aim is to either get up into the mountains there, so over the peaks that you can see. In the winter, we, we do quite a lot of snowboarding, skiing, and in the summer, while well, you're opened up to rock climbing, summer climbing up in the hills there, and also a little bit of surfing out on the coast there. Can you tell us a little bit about this area and the fact that there's only one real road that you can get to this area of New Zealand? In Franz Joseph here, we actually have a, a plate boundary. It's called the Alpine Fault Line. And it's where two tectonic plates join. You've got the Pacific Plate and the Indo-Australasian Plate. And where we are here, it's what's called a strike-slip boundary. So the plates are moving laterally against each other and for that reason we get a number of earthquakes around here we haven't had one for a while and some of the predictions for the next real big earthquake that we might receive around here are anywhere between 8 to 12 lateral movement 8 to 12 meter of lateral movement and sort of 5 to 7 meters of, of vertical movement now if that does happen there will be a big old scar across there or down the west coast here and it could cause a few problems in, in terms of infrastructure, but luckily we've got a few helicopters around here, so we, we might survive. 
or another interesting thing about the west coast here is that it is relatively inaccessible in that there is only one road that runs north to south so highway six runs down the coast here and either side of that is dense new zealand bush either ocean or the mountains so in terms of vehicle access there's just one road in terms of hiking access once you get out of the bush line it's a little bit easier but not that much easier ollie clark a glacier guide for france joseph glacier guides recording here on france joseph glacier on new zealand's south island's west coast now ollie you spoke about how many of the glaciers around the planet have been receding for the past twenty thousand years global warming is a topic brought up many times by your clients on the glacier. How do you reckon Franz Joseph Glacier Guides as a company might adapt to climate change? And what's the plan once the glacier's gone? Will you guys become a whitewater rafting company? And <laughs> As the glacier retreats, the area that we walk around on or access is inherently going to get a lot smaller. We actually lost access. We lost walking access onto the glacier in 2011. So pre-2011, most of our tours were walking tours. So you'd walk up the valley, through the bush, and then up onto the terminal face and go for a, for a walk around there. Since 2011, we've been restricted to only helicopter access. As the glacier retreats further, if it does continue to retreat, as it has been, then I suppose one of the only things we can do is retreat with it and move further up the mountain. That introduces a whole new different aspect to guiding it's a lot higher up in the alpine environment and therefore we'll need a different expertise and different qualifications to be able to guide up there ollie what have you learned from your time guiding on franz joseph glacier one thing i've learned is that you can't stereotype someone into what they might be like as a client on the ice so it's really easy to take a nationality and say, oh, they're going to be really good or they might not be that good at walking around. It's really important not to do that because it's a bit like judging a book by its cover. You shouldn't do that. So, yeah, that's definitely one thing I've learned is that everyone who comes up there is up there to experience the glacier. With every trip, you should always start fresh with a fresh blank canvas and start over with no preconceptions of the people that you're about to guide. Those are beautiful words of wisdom from a Franz Joseph Glacier guide that I think all adventure guides could pencil in for how they run their trips. Now, Ollie, what have you learned from Franz Joseph Glacier itself? And how might you incorporate that into your life? And how that glacier behaves and how has it influenced your life? One of the things I've learned is that not much goes to plan. So part of my job with a couple of other guides here is to make sure the track is safe enough for everyone to guide around and quite often a hole will open up or a block will form a block is a big piece of ice above the track that might fall quite often those things open up which means that the track that initially was going to be quite easy to put in is then quite hard so yeah i suppose the thing that i've learned is an assumption is the mother of all f-ups now, Ollie, as a glacier guide and as an adventurer, how do you handle fear? The way I handled fear before I did a bungee jump was to tell my brother and my mates back home that I was about to do it because therefore I couldn't back out because they already knew. The way that I handle fear 
or in the hills or on a mission or something like that is go very quiet and focus focus real real hard i end up with uh, i don't know a cut on the inside of my lip or something like that but it comes down to focus for me i find myself breathing real quickly but i try and slow that down and just move slowly but controlled and that's the way to get through it you are on the trail less traveled and today the trail less traveled is being recorded on franz joseph glacier which is on new zealand's south island's west coast it's a helicopter flight to get up here and you can come explore as well with franz joseph glacier guides and you can request ollie clark as your guide he has been my guest this evening ollie studied glaciology in university and he has been guiding here for three years Ollie, thank you so much for your time and your energy meeting me here on the Trail Less Traveled. Thanks for coming. I hope you enjoyed yourself up there. Ollie, what song would you like to end this show with? My final song is by a band that I've always listened to since I was about eight, I think. I spent ten years waiting to go and see them live, and it's a band called The Strokes, and the song's called Barely Legal. Namaste, Mandela here, your host of The Trail Less Traveled, an adventure series dedicated to collecting sound effects and interviews from the most remote locations around the world. You can subscribe to the free iTunes podcast and visit traillesstraveled.net to see pictures, archive previous episodes, and contact me. I would like to thank my guests for this week, the Franz Joseph Glacier and a guide on the glacier. Mr. Ollie Clark. Ollie is originally from southwestern UK, and he has been working as a glacier guide in New Zealand for the past three years. Ollie studied geology with a focus on glaciology. You can explore the glacier as well. And for more information, check out franzjosephglacier.com. My name is Mandela, your host of The Trail Less Traveled, and my goal for the show is to take you the listener, back to mankind's earliest form of entertainment, storytelling. Therefore, every week I will be interviewing an adventurer about what they do, how they do it, and how you can start adventuring in a similar fashion. The Trail Less Traveled is recorded at the Missoula Broadcasting Company, nestled in the mountains of Missoula, Montana, or on location around the world in order for me to find these adventurers and connect with them in their natural habitat. Tonight's episode was recorded on the Franz Joseph Glacier, nestled in the Southern Alps on New Zealand's South Island's western coast. It's the trail less traveled, y'all. The community's source for adventure information and inspiration. Sunday nights at 6 and Tuesday nights at 10. Hey, do me a favor. If the show has ever inspired you or made you laugh, please take a moment to write us a review on iTunes in order to help spread the word for this new genre of adventure radio. My adventure tip this week concerns crossing crevasses. Use a rope. It might sound obvious, but some mountaineers wouldn't be here now if they hadn't been roped up. Well, that's it for this week's adventure, my friends in Missoula and around the world. But until next week, get outside and shred the gnar. Because as you know, the gnar does not shred itself.